This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So now Posey ranges away, and throws it so high. There are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Hello there. Welcome back to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys Podcast. Sam Lubman here, as always, with Joe Shasky. This is episode 64 of the podcast. 64, Shasky, the number of losses it feels like the Giants took in the last week and a half, if you're going off of the, the vibe on Giants Twitter right now, or Giants Threads, if uh, if you're on that platform right now. Uh, Shasky, yeah, just to get into it, I mean, it's it's been a rough last week and a half for the Giants. They've had their first kind of rough patch since April. But before I get into that, let's talk about something good. And that is Camille Duvall has been named an all-star for the Giants this year. He will be representing the team up in Seattle next week for the Midsummer Classic. And uh, I don't know, did you see the, the video that they did where they kind of, they finally told him that he's going to be uh, going to the all-star game? Yeah, I thought it was really cool. You know, uh, this is a guy who's much deserving. And if you look at the body of work that he's done this year, I mean, Sam, he's been excellent. I know he had the scuffled uh, appearance on Monday with the Logan Webb start, which was not the best moment for the defense behind him, nor for himself. I thought four or five things went wrong that inning. The ball actually hit the bat on the guy that they said he hit by pitch. I thought that... Wade made a horrible play uh, coming in to third base. You know, he should have just ripped that ball down the line to third base. I mean, there was a variety of things, and he got hit hard. But he bounced back yesterday with a big-time save. And so, one, two, three. I loved it. Camillo's been awesome. What is there to say negative? Yeah, they really no, – I mean, again, guys like Camille, they're always going to have their off nights. Every pitcher, no matter how good you are, is going to have your off nights. He uh, he described it as a fun little birthday present because, obviously, his his birthday was the next day. And funny how that seems to work out, you know. But, no, he really – he has been such – I think it, it, he's been a great success this year, no doubt. But he's really been, I think, a, a triumph for the Giants in terms of their development. Yeah. Remember, I always, I'll always remember back in 2021 when he came up, and he had that meltdown in Colorado. And Gabe Kapler said afterwards, we're very proud of Camilo Duvall. And I just remember thinking, like, really? This dude is so wild. He gets hit hard. Sure, he throws the ball hard. I'm just not seeing it. And, yeah, I used to make jokes. Remember, the, a couple weeks later, the Giants were in Cincinnati. They put, like, 18 up on him. And I'm thinking, oh, cool. We can see Camilo Duvall pitch today. You know, this is a you know big enough lead. And later that year, he's our closer. And last year, he's been the lone bright spot. And he's just... From where he was just two years ago to where he is at now, it's truly quite an amazing step that he's taken. And, yeah, the Giants should be very proud of, of how they've developed him. And people make a big deal about, oh, oh, he's not a Farhan guy. You know, Farhan inherited him. Well, you still have to develop these guys. And this this Giants current regime, they absolutely get credit for Doval uh, uh, developing into the closer that he is. And he has been the best part of what's been a, a bullpen that, despite some bumps in the road, but a very good bullpen. 
let, let's say it's the next two or three years. Who's more important to the Giants, Logan Webb or Camilo Duvall? Wow, that's a very good question. I mean, I really kind of want to lean Webb a little bit just because your starting pitchers usually are kind of – they have a little bit more overall cachet than the closer. Um, but, I mean, we've seen how – I, I because, I mean, you want to talk about, you know, how the Giants have won in the past. Well, the Giants won three World Series in five years with a different ace and a different closer every year. So, I don't know, it, would it be a cop-out if I said they kind of both have a similar amount of value uh, to this I team going that's forward? the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is that he's very valuable to this team. And yes. he's been unbelievably important to their success this year. And I also think how we view the team moving forward, just in general, organizationally, we talked so much about Farhan the last two years, Gabe Kapler. Just think about Logan Webb and Camilo Duvall and how important they are to this year's team and, and, and the franchise and the trajectory and maybe the optimism you have around them. And I look at someone like Camilo Duvall, as raw as he was two years ago, they deserve a ton of credit for developing him on the fly. Because it could have easily been just another random reliever, uh, you know, Reyes Morantes or, mm-hmm. you know, Guillermo Moto or, you know, pick the re- the reliever who showed promise early on only to not deliver. <laughs> exactly. So I think they deserve a ton of credit. Yeah. And finding a closer is very hard to do. I mean, we've seen yes. in the past, Shasky, I mean, since Rob Nen, the Giants, they, they could not find a good closer. They tried the Armando Benitez experience. Yes. That was miserable. Remember, there was a Randy Messenger moment. Jeremy Accardo had the moment yep. for a second. Uh, we thought we had it with Brad Hennessy. Uh, Brian Wilson took it over for a while. But the Giants, they've struggled. You, you have to develop a closer internally, I feel. Yep. Uh, the Giants had to relearn that lesson when they brought in Mark Melanson a few years ago. And Duvall, he's 25, I believe. And I'm not, Just I'm, not making, I'm not making a comparison here, but – He's putting up more saves as a 25-year-old than Mariano Rivera was at the same wow. age. Again, I'm not comparing them. I'm not comparing them. Rivera was a Rivera. But when you talk about just how early on, as early age, like he's a young closer putting up really good numbers. And I think you said it last year on this podcast. Like It's very rare you see a closer putting up the kind of numbers that Doval has been putting up at such a young age. So it's a very, very positive uh, development here for the Giants. Well, what is Sam, before you continue, think about where he was, rookie, one month into the into the bigs, really one month into the bigs, and he loses game five with Cody Bellinger getting a single. Mm-hmm. And a year and a half later, he's named an all-star. He could have easily gone down the Felix Rodriguez route. You know what I mean? You lose in the postseason that way, game five, ninth inning, Cody Bellinger, you can't get a ball over for a strike, and then you do, and he knocks one in against your rivals. The fact that he's here where he's at now – Boy, he's got some he's got some mental fortitude, and I don't think we talk enough about his mental guts. No, you re- we really don't. He's he's just got such a calm demeanor out there too. Now, like in 2021, he almost kind of had that wide eye look, but now like you, you see him walking through the clubhouse, he's got the chains on. He's just got this such a cool, chill vibe. Yes. Whenever you see Camille Duvall, he is just living his best life, and you could just tell. Like even after Monday night when he got rocked. He's still got a smile on his face, a twinkle in his eye. He's joking about how it was a birthday present that the Mariners gave him. That's the attitude you need to have as a closer. you got to be a little off if you're a closer. And I don't know, I wouldn't say he's off in the same way that Brian Wilson was, but he's definitely got that that attitude that you need out of a closer where he's got that short memory, he's got that fun attitude. It's all positive totally there. Totally agree. 
One thing it is not, one place where it is not positive on the Giants is uh, everywhere that isn't Camilo Tovall right now. Uh, yeah, what's up? Are you recording? Yes. Because I normally it gives me the timer in the top left. Sorry. Oh, no, I mean, I got the timer in the top left here, so. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. I just didn't want to go on if we weren't recording. I apologize. No, no, no. no. Thanks for that heart attack, though. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, talk about the rest of the Giants, though, who is as positive as Doval has been. It's been the exact opposite for the Giants. Uh, since last Sunday, Shasky, when they failed to sweep the Diamondbacks, uh, they're hitting 191 in that mm. time. Granted, it's been a week and a half. You can play the small sample size card. That does not include last night, which maybe that's a good thing. Who knows how low it is now after that? That's the worst in baseball, Shasky, in that time. Uh, the bullpen, I think you're fine. We were worried about the bullpen usage and when that would catch up. In the last two weeks, the bullpen has a 470 ERA, which in part is because the starters are struggling. They have a 430 ERA in the last few weeks. Wow. And honestly, Shasky, over the last month, they're averaging less than five innings per start. You know, Logan Webb, Alex Cobb, they're handling a lot of the innings there. But, and again, also part of it is because they've been using openers and stuff like that. But it's it feels like the wheels are kind of, I don't want to know if, you know if falling off is the right word to use, but the Giants are on some bumpy roads right now. And we kind of talked about this earlier this week on the Morning Rose, but is this, you're going to go through cold stretches every season. Uh, is this a cold stretch or are we seeing something more troubling developing here? I don't think they were as good as their 10 game win streak, but I certainly don't think they're as bad as three and seven over their last 10. Like that's what they are right now. I think they're somewhere in between and that might sound like a cop out, but yeah, they're injured a lot. They have a lot of guys who get injured. They have rookies who started off on fire and have cooled off a little, you know, um, Casey Schmitz won for his last 20. That's not good. But you're getting great contributions from random guys. Like last night, Wilmer Flores, three hits. You know, yeah. Wilmer's been on ice for a couple of weeks. So these injuries have given him an opportunity to actually get in there. Jock Peterson's had it down here. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Yeah, I've been great yeah. this year. You know, not only that's a knock, but on the other side, J.D. Davis has been excellent, right? So for yeah. every good story, I've got a bad story that I can relate. I do believe that right now, you know, Matos, Schmidt, This is going to be an opportunity for them to take a deep breath after the Colorado series, after we get to the all-star break, take a deep breath, relax, and get back to basics. That's what I want to see. This big picture for me, I don't really care if they make the playoffs or not this year. Of course I would love them to. I want to make the playoffs. They're a year away, right? That's Mm -hmm. the way I believe them to be. When you only have two starting pitchers and one of them is Alex Cobb, you're a year away. But the development of Bailey and how amazing he's been defensively and how much better his bat's been than what it was in the minor league. Seeing Casey Schmidt play and get opportunities with the Estrada injury, which just sucks, just totally sucks for Tyro Estrada. Seeing Matos play center field and now with no Hanniger, he's going to play an extended period. I'm all about development and youth movement. So, yes, the record doesn't look great, but these are the valuable scar tissue that we're going to look at a year and a half from now the same way we did with Camilo Duvall, and we're going to say, I think they're better having struggled early on. I like that. I like that assessment a lot, especially when you kind of tie it back into Camilo Duvall, because, yeah, we are kind of seeing those struggles with Casey Schmidt right now. You're going to see those struggles with Luis Matos. He might not be the power hitter that maybe we once dreamed that he would be, but I don't think he ever profiled as that either words. Um, It's not all bad. Ryan Walker, I mean, he's taken his lumps in the bullpen too. Honestly, overall, he's been absolutely dynamic coming out of the bullpen for most of the year. Blake Sable, again, it's thing where we're seeing growth. Sable's been good, Sam. You have, no, he's great at the plate. Uh, leaves a lot to be desired behind it. But Agreed. even still, I 
you, you, when you talk to guys in that clubhouse, they'll all say when it comes to what Blake Sables do behind the plate, he's getting better every start. And that I think is a, that's the positives that you really want to be seeing with this team. And then that's a, a, a situation with the Giants that you didn't really have last year is when you're struggling, but you could still find positives. Last year, the Giants were struggling, but you didn't have those positives you could look to with these younger guys. You know, with Casey Schmidt, he's struggling at the plate. The defense is still great, though, and yes. there's going to be, you know, plenty of opportunities for him to come. And part of that is because, and we got to get into some bad news here, the Tyro Estrada injury, which could not have probably come at a worse time for the Giants. It sucks. Just in terms of, it, it sucks. It really it does. does. It sucks. And I'm like here. I want to hear your thoughts, Shasky. Just off the top, I mean, how do you think they get through this? I mean, you're looking through probably mid-August at best when Estrada comes back. Baseball, it has a way of working itself out. We were talking about it about a week ago. Schmidt starts struggling really bad. He's been struggling for quite some time, and it's like, well, where's he going to find time? Do they drop him? And then boom, Estrada hurts himself. And Estrada was scuffling the last couple of weeks. I felt ever since he jammed his hand, he wasn't mm-hmm. the same. You know I don't think mean? he hasn't really was truly recovered from the wrist injury either. That's what I'm he, saying. He has been banged up a lot over the last yes. couple, the last few weeks, and I definitely think that that's factored into his performance yeah. a little bit. No, no doubt. But he's still been really good. And yeah. I think he's a catalyst at the top of this lineup. You're seeing them experiment. Like they, they had Wilmer Flores batting second. They've done Jock Peterson batting second. They've done all kinds of different variations of guys trying to bat in that Tyro Estrada <laughs> slot, um, which where they had him earlier this year. They're going to miss him. He's a catalyst offensively. Defensively, I think Casey Schmidt's going to get the the bulk of the, of the opportunities. The problem is, is that when you play Crawford every day at shortstop, he wears thin too. Right, yeah. so, the depth's definitely going to be tested, in that, and I, I think, don't think that Brett Wisely is a major league baseball player. I mean, no, he, I think he's capable not. on defense. I think he can play a capable second base. Uh, the bat's not going to be there. No. Replacing Casey, not Casey Schmidt, replacing Estrada is going to be difficult. Chasky, yes. him, we we talked about this before. The one-two punch, Lamont Wade Jr. and Tyro Estrada has been great for the Giants. Uh, those two atop the lineup are a big reason why the Giants' top two lineup spots are ninth in baseball in OPS. They have a 799 OPS at the top of those top well, two and, spots. And Sam, all I know is that the guy was leading the team in stolen bases, so they're missing a guy that can actually run the bags out there, oh, like, yeah. which a team that's station to station is desperately needed to have a speedster out there. I just felt like he was one of those dudes. Having him around Luis Matos was going to help that youngster. Yeah. I mean, Shawnee, he'll still be around. I mean, it's not like, you know, they, they banish him somewhere else while he's on the IL. He'll still be no, around. He'll still be talking to guys. But, yeah, I mean, that, that top two spots in the road in the Giants lineup been dynamic for them. Lamont Wade Jr., Tyra Strada, they've really been doing a great job setting the table together. Uh, the 364 on base percentage that the top two spots in the lineup has is fifth best in baseball. Is These guys really? have a great table. So replacing them, it's wow. going to be interesting to see how they do it. Uh, after Estrada, Jock and Wilmer have taken the most plate appearances in that number two hole. Is it perfect? No, but when you consider how they platoon them, it's it, it, Damn, it, I hate it. worse. Damn, uh, I, hate I think it. that's probably what you're going to see. You're going to see a lot of Jock and Wilmer hitting in that number two spot now with Casey Schmidt manning second base now for, uh, defensively. Which oh, let me let me throw something at you before you go. Yeah, I don't like Jock batting second for a variety of reasons. I want him driving in runs later in the lineup. I don't like Wilmer really right there, even though Wilmer does get on base. He's too station to station for me. 
Move Matos up there. Let's just see it for a couple of games. Not one game. Let's see it for a couple of games. Put him in the two-hole. If this is going to be your center fielder moving forward, uh, and I'm not saying, like, hey, he goes 0 for 12 over a three-game span. You stick with it. Like, give him an opportunity. Give him a couple of days in a row, and let's see what happens. Why not? This is an opportunity. No, I agree with you. I think this is the the beauty of this season is that, you know, you can rely, you can kind of fall back on, you know what, if we can't win games, let's at least develop. So, you know exactly. what? Yeah, I like the idea. Put Matos on the two-hole, and it's like, you know what? Camilo Duvall, you had to sink or swim one time exactly. at one point. You ended up swimming. Luis Matos, this is your time. It's t- you Sink or swim. We're going to put you in the two-hole and show us what you got. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubman and Joe Shasky coming at you every week with all the best Giants content that you need. Like, rate, review, subscribe. We're coming at you all the time. Part of the Odyssey Sports Network here on 95.7 The Game. Shasky, the other day, uh, Monday uh, before uh, the Giants' first game against the Mariners, uh, I was able, you know, I got to go to a rare weeknight game because I didn't have to go to work the next day. And uh, before the game, part of Gabe Kapler's uh, pregame scrum, which I always, I love going to those because you can, Post game, you know, the the conversations you have are very focused on the game that just happened. So it's if you want to ask you know questions about other things and kind of get other storylines and get his thoughts on 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 other happenings around the team, I really enjoy those pregame scrums because you really just you get a more just uh, uh what's the what's the word I'm looking for? A more candid? relaxed, more conversation. Candid. There it is. That's the word. You get more candid conversations with Gabe Kapler. Gotcha. And um, one of the things he was asked is he's asked a lot, but it's about their hitting approach. And I want to play the audio in a minute because what Kapler said, the more and more I've been thinking about the last couple of days, it kind of concerns me a little bit in terms of what the Giants are doing at the plate in terms of how they approach opposing pitchers. Shasky, I want to get your thoughts on it too. So here's what Kapler said on just kind of the – Hitting if if on the question was if certain pitchers provide problems for Giants hitters and that's where Kapler kind of got into the approach. So this is what Gabe had to say. The question is, does that same approach work with every type of pitcher? And I think the answer is probably with a guy who has a cutter and a sinker. By way of example, like let's use Merrill Kelly as an example, because it's all pretty familiar. He's got balls moving away from you, balls moving into you, uh, changeups that are fading down. He can try to ele- elevate a fastball against you. You still have to get him in, in the middle of a plate and look for a pitcher you can drive. And you still have to be pretty selective on the edges. Now you're facing Jacob deGrom with a 101-mile-an-hour fastball at his, at his best and, you know, some nasty off-speed. Probably the same deal. you got to look for a pitcher you can drive and be aggressive on those and I'm more patient on pitches that you can. Left-handed pitcher, right-handed pitcher, reliever, starter, it's all the same. I think we, we tend to overcomplicate things. So basically the, the, the gist of it there is like when it comes to certain pitchers, you really are – the Giants, they're very big on focusing on your pitch, find your pitch, and drive your pitch. And that's the game. They want to simplify it. Uh, Kapler later described as being kind of pitching agnostic where they really try to have an approach that can – like almost like a one-size-fits-all approach, Shasky. Now, 
I know you have your thoughts on kind of on, on hitting approach here. So when you hear that and you hear this, this philosophy the Giants are employing at the plate, what, what kind of goes through your mind there? Yeah, I get a little frustrated. I'm going to be honest with you. Last night's a great example. Who's the soft-tossing lefty that was throwing last night? For the Mariners? Uh, Tommy Malone. Tommy Malone. Okay. And they're trying to pull the ball over and over and over again, and you're playing into his hand. You're playing into his hand. Now, if you're sitting on a curveball or a breaking ball and you want to drive it down the line, like, I get it. But, guys, go the other way. Change up your approach. They're a very pull-happy team. They have been throughout the entire Farhan era. I'm sure a lot of teams are pull-happy just in general. But are you watching what's happening in Miami? Are you watching this guy, Arias? Now, I'm not expecting every single guy. Like, Jock Peterson's not going to be the kid playing for the Marlins right now who's batting close to 400, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's not going to be who he is. But you can take those elements and execute them in a game. And it gets very frustrating when they only get five or six hits in a game and they go up there and they're having the same exact at bat over and over and over again. So to say that we're going to have the same approach nine times out of ten no matter what, kind of pisses me off. I'm not going to lie. Well, no, and I agree. And he's talking about in – like I, I'd like to kind of use – I want to use Jock as an example. I want to go back to Monday night because they just – they got absolutely yeah. shut down by Brian Wu, local kid. Yeah. And – I'm looking at I'm looking at you know what what Wu's throwing them that night. It's fastball after fastball after fastball. You know the fastball's coming. So yes. why is it a struggle? So I look at a guy like Jock Peterson. Uh, he's got his hot spots in the zone. I love I go on Baseball Savant for this because it's a great job. They do a great job on that website of breaking it down zone by zone. And Jock Peterson, his one of his hot zones are in the upper middle part of the strike zone. So when he finds his pitch in that spot of the zone, he's hitting you know close to 400 on pitches in that area. But right next to it, though, at the upper inside part of the strike zone, he's hitting the very paltry uh, 167. No, sorry. Uh, sorry, wrong number. He's hitting a very paltry uh, 000, uh, oh. in, which is even worse. <laughs> um, so he's not making any – whenever he's not getting any contact on that inside part of the zone. Okay, where was Brian Wu throwing those fastballs to Jock on Monday night? Upper inside part of the zone. And that's why you saw Jock, you get into a lot of these 0-2 counts – because you're pounding the parts of the zone that these guys don't do well in. And so what do you do now? You When you have pitchers, you saw it opening day with Garrett Cole. You know, when you have these pitchers who are on their location and hitting their yeah. spots and able to take advantage of, of those weak zones for the Giants, you put hitters in, a, in an 0-2 hole really fast. And if you don't adjust your, your approach, suddenly your team is leading the league in strikeouts, which is what the Giants are doing. And the, when I heard that, the more I think about it, it's just – it worries me going forward just when when the Giants offense is humming, it's great. But then when it starts struggling and you start noticing these kind of, I don't know, flaws in the approach is the right way to put it. But it almost comes down to, you know, hear Gabe Kapler saying you got to get Merrill Kelly to get in, come into the middle of the zone. Well, Merrill Kelly's not going to just come into the middle of the zone because you invite him there. You're basically hoping that something drifts over into your hot spot and you're able to drive it, which basically comes down to is, when a guy is on, the plan is hope he screws up. Well, well, Sam, like there's three things here. Variety is the key to life. Know your personnel and case by case. Like pick the cliche that you want to go with, right? That's the way I run my life. I don't talk to you the same way I talk to my wife. I don't talk to my dogs the same way that I talk to my grandfather. You know what I mean? Like that's just how life is. And so I think it's a silly setting to say, this is how we're going to react no matter what. This is our approach no matter who we're going up against. What if it's the ninth inning and the bases are loaded and there's no outs and we need one run in to win the game? 
You're not going to try to hit a sack fly. You're not going to deviate from whatever your normal game day approach is. Like, that's what I'm talking about. No, I agree with that. Like, different situations do call for different approaches. And when you have this one-size-fits-all approach, I do think, yeah, most often, that more often than not, it'll probably work. We've seen it work this year. We saw it work in 2021. Uh, One thing that, you know, a story Lamont Wade Jr. was told in the past was, you remember that in, in the ninth inning game five, he hit that ball that we thought was going to bang off the foul pole and send everybody home happy, and it ends up just going foul. That pitch always kept him up because he said that it was not his pitch. It was not in the part of the zone that he likes to go to. And Lamont Wade Jr., he knows the strike zone better than anybody. Yeah. So with these guys, when they commit to it, they know how to make it work, and they can make you know great music when they do commit to their zones. But I do think that you you box guys in a little bit because there are pitchers out there. There are that I, there's probably a minority of pitchers who are out there who can hit zones uh, enough to where it, it becomes a struggle for Giants hitters. But at the same time, like when you're facing those pitchers, you got to have a better approach other than just hope he kind of brings one over the middle of the plate. And exactly. it, it worries me long term, uh, just in ter- like how viable this strategy is. And I hope there's a little bit of wiggle room that the Giants allow for it because. If not, and these struggles kind of keep, you know, building on themselves, it's going to – Gabe Kapler and, and by extension Farhan Zaidi, it's – there's going to be a lot of angry fingers being pointed at them. You know, it's crazy how, you know, 10 days, two weeks, whatever you want to call it, can change your outlook on a variety of things. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about where the team is at right now, where the organization is at right now. I think a lot of people are still skeptical on Farhan. They like some of the things that have happened. They like a lot of the different um, smaller successes, the Dovals, the J.D. Davises, seeing Matos, seeing Casey Schmidt. But I do believe that like how they finish this season is really going to matter. And I hope if I'm running the Giants, I hope it's not just looking at like a couple of weeks here, a couple of weeks there. I hope they're looking at the full body of work because right now I do believe they're in a better spot than I anticipated at this point in the year organizationally, not not talking about the win and loss record. I'm about organizationally. But at the same time, I'm not gonna lie, Sam. I, I, I thought they'd be farther along five years ago. I did too. And it's and I the, the, the doubt on Farhan, the doubt on Kapler, like part of the reason that and we're gonna get to Farhan in a second. And part of the reason that these guys were brought in is because the front office wanted different. That yeah. was the that was the whole thing. They wanted next gen thinking. That's what Larry Bear said. And I do think the skepticism comes from just the Giants are operating very differently than how we are used to. Now, different doesn't have to be bad, but the results I'm seeing, it's it's good, but it's leaving a lot to be desired. And is that independent of Bruce Bochy? Hmm? Is that independent of Bruce Bochy's success? Do you think that 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 seeps into how you're looking at this situation? I'm just curious. I I, I feel like it's independent. I think it's unfair to judge Gabe Kapler through the lens of Bruce Bochy. I totally agree. That's such oh, a, a totally solid clear. And I will be honest, and maybe we can get totally this agree. another day, but I do sometimes wonder if there is a segment of this Giants fan base that wants to see Kapler and Farhan fail and get fired so they can say, you know what? Told you we shouldn't have moved yeah. on from Bochy and Sabian. And do you think hey, I'm one of those people? Hey, I think you've had moments. <laughs> uh, maybe last year. I feel like you're starting to come around. But I don't know. We'll see. When the Rangers come to town next month, well, we can get more into that conversation. Well, would you agree that, like, and again, I know there's times where I can feel like I'm flying by the seat of my pants. I'm an equal opportunist. When you do well, I praise. When you don't, I, I do rip. Like, that's how it works. You know what I mean? Credits and demerits. And I'm at the point now where 
They built up some credits from this year, but they were so in the hole from the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about when they first inherited. I'm talking about recently. I don't know, Sam. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think there's any way to answer this question right now in terms of just what this hitting approach means to you. I definitely think it's something to monitor, though, going forward the rest of the season. And if offensive struggles continue like this, and if this season starts to go off the rails because they're striking out too much and not scoring enough runs, then statements like this are going to have to be put under a much bigger microscope than we're putting on them right now. And that's not going to be fun for the Giants if that moment comes. You are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubman, Joe Shasky, rate, review, subscribe, Odyssey Sports Network, 95.7 The Game, Giants Baseball, super fun. Make sure that you are tuned in every week. Last week, Farhan Zaidi, or it might have been a couple, little while, a week and a half ago, Farhan Zaidi went on the, uh, the show podcast with Joel Sherman and John Heyman, and dived into the or dove into the pursuit of Aaron Judge from this past offseason. And you know, it's we we've heard it. I'm just gonna play it right now. This is what Farhan had to say. I don't know if it's a coping mechanism, but I never really believed he was gonna sign here. I kind of, you know, I think like with a lot of things, you kind of want to control your emotions and you know, and baseball is so unpredictable, both with free agency and with trades. I mean, there have been so many times when I thought a trade was at the one-yard line or five-yard line, and it winds up not happening. So you don't really believe something's done until it's done. Basically, that's Farhan Zaidi saying that he never really expected Aaron Judge to come to the Giants, despite the Giants' uh, very, very public interest and very – the Giants went hard after Aaron Judge, and he still went back to the Yankees – And it seems like another situation of Farhan saying something that maybe he shouldn't have said, uh, which is the second time in the last year that he's done that. Uh, Also going back to his whole comments about free agents not wanting to come to San Francisco. Chasky, what was your reaction when you heard Farhan say that? I I just kind of rolled my eyes. Like, what's being accomplished when you admit these things? Like, that's the truth. Just because you know it or because you think it. Or because you, you know, believe it to be so, doesn't mean it needs to be said out loud. You know, here's a great example. When my wife asks me, how do I look in this dress? Even if she doesn't look smoking hot in the dress, I'm going to tell her, you look great in the dress, honey. You look smoking hot. All right? I'm not going to be like, eh, I've seen you in better dresses. Like, no, that's just not how it works. Again, read the room, Farhan. I do think it's one of those things. I think we've kind of touched on this on on this podcast before this year that – some things, Farhan, you don't need to say. Let uh-huh. us, let us talking heads be the ones who say it. Like, I always felt that, you know, the Giants were kind of put into a box when it came to, to the Aaron Judge pursuit. You had the fans, you know, banging on the table, you know, saying, bring me Aaron Judge, as if, you know, we're J. Jonah Jameson demanding pictures of Spider-Man. You know, and then uh, you had Greg Johnson kind of going on saying, "Yo, we know about that fellow in New York. And when you say things like that, I think it makes the Giants an easy mark if you're Aaron Judge being like, oh, hey, I could totally play that team and get some more money out of the Yankees. Uh, you know, Farhan did say that he felt that the, 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 the Judge's interest in the Giants was sincere. I personally don't believe that. I'm going to let Farhan say that it was sincere because that's what Farhan should be saying. That's Farhan playing the game. Uh, I think Farhan saying that Judge was not going to come here, that, that, that's being a little too candid. But – I honestly think that Judge always saw that the, the he saw a team that was desperate to sign him and figured, you know what, hey, I can easily play that in a way that benefits me coming back to the Yankees. And if you're Farhan, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, because 
if you don't go after Aaron Judge, you're going to get ripped by the fan base. If you go after Aaron Judge and fail, which is what happened, you're going to get ripped by the fan base. And so it's when you have a no-win situation there, I'm not really sure what you're supposed to do other than just, I guess you have to carry this out and take our lumps. We did the best we could to try to acquire the player. The, choir, the player went back to the Yankees. Like, you, there's a way of diplomatically saying it without saying what he said. To stand yeah. about saying, well, guys don't want to play in San Francisco, you know, homeless and politics and dog, shut up. Like, where is the PR specialist to tell Farhan less is more? Yeah, I I will always kind of look back to. So I remember Larry Bear hosted this uh, a town hall event uh, last July, right before the yeah. deadline. And everyone was talking about the Juan Soto trade at the time. And I, and I remember I wrote about this for the station, I, and the headline was, did Larry Bear just put uh, put a damper on a potential Juan Soto and Aaron Judge deal? And my reasoning was that Larry delivered one line that really kind of stuck out to me, where he talked about you know where the next star could come from. First thing he said was that when, come, when getting a star, you don't want to mortgage the farm to bring that star in, which was translation, no, you were not getting Juan Soto this, this deadline, because the Giants did not have the farm system to pull that off. Okay. Fair enough. I don't like it, but you know what? I'm not just because I don't like the truth doesn't make it less true. Then he also said that when finding that star, sometimes that star can be homegrown, which that told me, okay, the next big giant star is not going to be signed on the free agent market, yes. which means I guess that takes Aaron Judge off the table. But that's when, you know, suddenly you had the fan fervor for Judge really start to, you know, you know, spark up. You have, you know, we're doing our judge watch on the morning roast. Willard and Dibs are going out to Linden because they think that's going to drum up interest. Like that's where the craziness really kind of gets out of hand. And now we're, we're talking about, you know, well, we never thought Aaron judge could have come here at the same time that John Heyman, who we all know how good he is with giants in the free agent market is saying that the giants are going to be big players for Shohei Otani. Are we going to have to, I, I feel like I'm in a time loop Shasky with, with these free agents. Is it? I mean, should we just be going going into this Otani pursuit with the assumption that he's just not going to come here until he does? Yeah, <laughs> like yes, we we, we should yeah. because they haven't landed any free agents of notice outside of overpaying some pitchers in forever. I mean, that's yeah. just what it is. But that's so, not even- does that mean that they can't be involved in this Otani sweepstakes? No. Does that mean they can't try their best to try to court that guy and and try to bring him in? No. Of course, you're going to try your best. So, like, but. Me getting my hopes up, I'm going to do what I do every year. I'm going to get my hopes up, and then I'm going to get pissed when they don't get them, and then I'm going to blame ownership and the front office for why they couldn't land that player. Like, yeah. the job of the GM, when you have to go out into free agency and spend, which is what they have to do right now because they haven't done a great job drafting, part of your job is landing free agents. Now, Shohei's one of the hardest ones to ever land, but you've made it hard on yourself by not developing and drafting your own. So. Yeah. Hence, you're stuck in this kind of time warp, like you called it, where you can only go via free agency to get something that can help you impact now. Yeah, and that's where I think that it's going to be very interesting because I honestly think we're in a position where if you're expecting free agents to bail you out, I don't think that's a great situation no. to be in. Look at uh, the mess. There's, there's all mess right now. Look, yeah. Look, they, they, look, they're bloated the payroll, and they're terrible. Look at the Padres. How's that working out for them? Mm-hmm. So, and that's where I think it's, it, you can't be super dependent on free agents. I don't think the Giants try to be dependent on free agents. I mean, really, even in their history, like free agency has never really been a, a big playground for the Giants. I've been on this planet for 30 years. I was, I was born mere hours after Barry Bonds was introduced as a San Francisco Giant. And since you. then, the biggest 
free agents that I can recall my lifetime are Aaron Rowan, which Barry Zito, which is outside of two starts, kind of lackluster. Johnny Cueto was fun to watch for a little while. And simply because the money was big enough. Yeah, they've they've missed out on a lot. John Lester, Zach Granke, they've missed out on lots of guys. So I definitely think that it's a situation where you just – you can't just rely on free agents. You can go after them. They're fun. It's like extra credit. It's cool if you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, Otani is a different – it's a transcendent. Well, here, here's the other part, Sam. Here's the other part. Two of the best trades in the last 30 years to the Giants, they gave up pieces and acquired guys. Jeff Ken mm-hmm. acquired for Matt Williams and a bunch of other pieces. You know, they acquired Hunter Pence, right? Think about mm-hmm. that. Those are some of their best acquisitions. Going back before that, they acquired Kevin Mitchell. They traded Kevin Mitchell away and acquired Billy Swift and Mark Jackson and Dave Burba. Some of their best acquisitions haven't even been via free agency. They've mm-hmm. actually been via the trade. Well, it goes back to what I said earlier on this podcast this year where you go back in the 140 years of Giants baseball, Barry Bonds is the only superstar player who's been a, the only face of the franchise player who joined this organization via free agency. And he was homegrown because he, he was homegrown. Because, yeah. So it's it's never been the Giants organizational philosophy going all the way back to, you know, 1883 that, you know, even, even your dog agrees. It, it's just, it's not a strategy the Giants have ever employed. And when you look at it that way, you're willing to kind of accept it. But at the same time, Farhan, at the end of the day, the moral of the story is, I mean, I guess I appreciate the candidness of it, the, the the being real of it, but at the same time, like let let us handle that one, okay? Like, Sam, Sam, Sam. here's my advice to him: if I was his consigliere, Farhan, shut up. Yes. <laughs> um, I guess the last, the last note here, I want to try and, and do this as quickly as we can. You know, is if you're the Giants ownership hearing Farhan say that, does that trigger you in any sort of way? Because at the same time, I feel like ownership kind of forced him into this really brutal situation. If I'm ownership, well, first off, who is ownership? We're talking about Greg Johnson's kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Charles Johnson's kid, Greg, excuse me. Like I don't even know who that person is. Forget that. If, if this were somebody talking about like John Lynch talking about Patrick Mahomes, John, shh, quiet. That's what Jed's mm-hmm. probably saying. If this is, you know, formerly Bob Myers talking about, oh, we should have drafted LaMelo. What What do you think Joe Lego would say? Shh, quiet. Yeah. Right? So any decent owner is going to say, Farhan, some things are better left unsaid. Exactly. Now, I don't think that's going to totally crush his standing with ownership. I do believe that ownership is still very much in Farhan's corner and in believing of, of his strategy. But keep having weeks like we've seen the last uh, in the last week and a half. That's going to change. We can't have more years like we had last year because that was no fun. So uh, before we get out of here, we got the Rockies coming into town this weekend. We are recording this on Thursday the 6th. You'll probably be hearing this on Friday the 7th right before the Giants play the Rockies. And uh, – I'll be honest, I like to say, you know, games are must win. Giants, they two of three at minimum is anything less is unacceptable. A sweep going into the all-star break, I think, would alleviate a lot of concerns that have bubbled up uh, within this fan base over the last week and a half. And then you got a very long, brutal road trip coming out of the all-star break. But Giants need to be able to hit the ground running on that. So these next uh, 14 games, they could very well decide the fate of the season. So it'll be very interesting to see. And then uh, then we got the deadline. So uh, this has been episode 64 of the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. We'll be back uh, hopefully in a few days after the Giants take on the Rockies. And we'll have an entire first half to recap on the next episode. So until then, we will see you on the next one.